0: designed to bring you through the epic, life-changing moments of elite sellers, so you can experience your own sales transformation. Hey, before we start today's episode, I wanted to bring you in on the best-kept secret in B2B sales. If you're serious about social selling and your only strategy is cold DMs through LinkedIn, you're missing the mark big time. Learn how a fully managed revenue generating podcast can change your life and your pipeline at salescast.co. All right. Welcome to another episode of Sales Transformation. I'm very excited today. I've got Ariel Lee on. She's a sales lifer, just like me, and LinkedIn nerd. So we have several things in common. I know that we're going to have some fun today and provide a ton of value because I saw her uh, originally on the Top 20% podcast, which is Tyler's podcast, and knew that I needed to have her on. So Ariel, welcome to the show.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Colin. I'm super excited to be here. Appreciate the invite.
0: Yeah, so give sales lifer. Uh give us give us the rundown. What were you selling? Where did your sales journey start? And let's just dig right in.
1: Sure thing. So I exposed myself on Tyler's podcast. I literally answered a newspaper ad that said um unlimited income potential, no history or training required. Um and so I started in car sales and uh went to work first for Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram. And then after about a year or two, moved to a Ford Lincoln dealership. Um, so literally started out selling new and used cars and um, moved up pretty quickly into like the finance director role, the people that do the, the loans and the DMV paperwork. And, and a lot of people don't see that role as a sales role. But if you have bought a car recently, their job is to sell you the Extended warranties and gap protection and all that kind of stuff. And then ultimately finished up that portion of my career as a general sales manager. So I was responsible for the entire sales side of the dealership, Um, did that for the last three years, um, and then burned out a little bit towards the end of 2019 and decided to take my um, sort of racked my brain to figure out what I could do with a similar skill set and maybe have a slightly better work life balance. So Made a made a change at the beginning of 2020, but that's the history.
0: <laughs> Got it. Okay. So uh, what did you learn early on in sales that you think made you successful in that role?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, and especially in car sales, it is so important to focus on the human being you're talking to. It's not about how much you know about whatever it is you're trying to sell. All of that's pretty much completely irrelevant. Um, so I learned luckily really early on that it was based mostly on your relationships building skills how quickly you could build rapport and figure out how to get to the root of the problem that it wasn't so much about selling that specific vehicle that it was about an experience it was about a solution um, and making that make sense to people and uh, so that was sort of my my specialty I was never any sort of expert you know you ask me how much a 2014 F-250 toes, and I would be like, I don't know, but I will find the answer for you.
0: <laughs>
1: um, just because I realized early on it wasn't that important. And taking up headspace for that kind of stuff didn't seem like a valuable use of my time, so.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting, right? Because I think there's a lot of people in car sales and SaaS sales, like doesn't matter, that just think product knowledge and features and benefits or uh, what closed deals and it's not, it's right. not. And the worst part about it is that <clears throat> a lot of sales training is built around product totally. knowledge. Yeah. So it's it like, is- what do you expect your sellers to do when your training exactly. is around exactly what they shouldn't be doing?
1: Exactly. Well, and that was the part of the car business that sort of frustrated me that they spent a lot of time highlighting that piece of it. Um, And it really wasn't, wasn't that important. You need to know enough that you can have an intelligent conversation, but nine times out of 10, your, your buyer's going to know more about that because you've got, you know, 50 vehicle lines to keep up with and they've only got one that they're interested in. So they've probably done more research on that one than you have.
0: You need to at least know what a Ford F-250 is, but you don't need to know (laughs) how much it'll tell.
1: Exactly. Roundabout numbers. I think numbers.
0: it's that one over there. Let's go yeah. like that.
1: <laughs> Roundabout numbers will get you get you there every time.
0: <clears throat> so what are some things you mentioned that the relationship is really the most important piece, which I totally agree with that. Um and you mentioned you mentioned building rapport, right? So what are some things that you would do to build rapport with people um, you know, initially in an environment like that where you gotta build rapport like really fast, right? Because they could walk out the door and you may never see them again.
1: Totally. I think, and I had it to my advantage. I moved around a lot as a kid. And so I sort of had to figure out ways to relate to different people Um, and mirroring is something that I really invested a lot of time in making sure that I got really good at and um, I've always said that I could find a way to bond or relate to anybody no matter what their station or status or you know vibe in general um, was like and so sort of just taking cues from them what's important to them what are they bringing up And then mirroring those things and digging into those hot buttons. Um, You know, obviously there's the surface level stuff. If somebody pulls up with a, I'm a South Carolina Gamecock fan. If somebody pulls up with a Gamecock bumper sticker, you can build rapport that way. But I think that digging into those specific things is a lot less important than just kind of matching the vibe. Um, That's what's important to me in my business now. But now it's more about trying to attract the people that match my vibe than trying to Mold myself to match other people's vibe. I guess is the way to put it.
0: <laughs> I lo- I love that, right? Because so many people want to force. They think they should do business with everybody, and you know, you you mentioned something that's that's pretty pretty interesting, which is you're looking for people that match your vibe, right? So you're not necessarily trying to adopt or adapt your vibe to theirs. Which not is... not at this
1: point in my career.
0: <laughs> which. I think a lot of people do that early on in sales. I think that I definitely did. And I think it's pretty common. I mean, even just little things like if somebody talks slow, you kind of slow it down and more match their tone or somebody's, you know, um, and I've always, I started out in like inside sales on the phone. So we called people all over. So you'd, you know, talk fast, talk slow, change your tone depending on, you know, who picks up on the other side of the phone. Um, And I think that a lot of people do that early on because they're just trying to, they're just trying to do whatever they can to basically survive and hit a number and not get (laughs) fired. (laughs) Exactly. Um, and then, but then, and it's exhausting. It's so exhausting. It's hard work. Yeah. Well, Um, and that's
1: what I always say about, you know, the, the LinkedIn nerd thing. That's why I show up there pretty, pretty blatantly, very authentically because I want those right people to come into my universe. I always tell people in the car business, I spent a lot of years basically on my knees begging for every deal. What's it going to take? What do I have to do to earn your business today? And being very forward in, um, I'll say anybody that I ever sold a car to as a manager or a salesperson, I probably wanted their business more than they wanted to buy the vehicle. Mm -hmm. Um, In my career now, it's super duper important to me that anybody that I work with wants to partner with me as badly as I want to partner with them. Like I want it to be a mutual sort of thing. I don't plan to, I don't beg for anybody's anything anymore. And that's been a really liberating sort of place to get to, especially for a sales person for their whole life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because especially when you're going to be spending more time with people, like you got to pass the, you're not an asshole test if I'm going to do business with (laughs) you. (laughs) You know, and I think sometimes too, to get to that point, um, it actually takes, some experience of of you know, thinking, hey, who's my ideal customer? Well, my ideal customer is anybody who will write me a check.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Whoever plugs a mirror, yeah, it, it feels good to get past that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, and 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 sometimes you know, you you know it in your gut where you are like, yeah, I don't know that I want to <laughs> spend more time with you, um, but you know, that extra commission sure would be nice. <laughs> Um, and you do that enough times to realize it's really not worth it. It's really not.
1: Absolutely. It'll, it'll bite you every time, anytime you compromise your values or, you know, what you've set out as your ideal, it, it comes back every time.
0: Yeah. So talk to me about why you consider yourself a LinkedIn nerd.
1: Well, um, I mentioned earlier, so I can't talk about what I do on any kind of recorded medium, but I did start a new career in January of 2020 because I have the best timing known to man. (laughs) Um, And so I had to hit LinkedIn pretty heavy because it is a career that's based a lot on prospecting. Um, and I didn't have really the traditional opportunities for face-to-face prospecting. So mm. LinkedIn was it for me. Um, and I kind of dived in head first and made a lot of mistakes early on, did things, what I call the icky way. Um, mm. There's so many sales You weren't pitch
0: slapping people, were, dude, were you?
1: I'm telling you. Well, and <laughs> that's what, that's what sucks about it. Like the, there are experts that, places pay to come and tell their people like send out a hundred connection requests a day. Anybody that connects with you, send them a big long templated message asking for 15 minutes on a zoom call. Like it's brutal. Um, And after a couple months of, you know, basically I, I consider that and what those experts say is this is a numbers game. You just got to throw enough stuff against the wall and something will stick. And after a couple months of doing that and just, being like, God almighty, why don't people want to talk to me? This is terrible. Um, finally, that light bulb went off. That It's like, oh, well, it's not really me they don't want to talk to. It's this templated message that I'm sending out. And so that's sort of where the switch flipped. Um, and I just turned into, you know, realized that LinkedIn was social media and I just had to get social. Um, and it's been life changing, like literally met you know, I've, I've got a group of women that I would trust to take care of my child. If something happened to me tomorrow, like I have met people that I will consider friends for life. Um, almost every single client that I've gained in the past two years comes from LinkedIn. I've, you know, had a couple of trickles here and there from local people, but 95% of my clients come from LinkedIn. Um, and it has it's just been life changing and I'm a, I'm a huge fan. And so it, I don't know. If you spend time there in the right way, it will pay tremendous dividends. So that's why I consider myself a LinkedIn nerd. What's been your experience?
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely did LinkedIn the wrong way um, for a period of time. I think I think most people do. I don't think anybody hits the platform as like... I- I've got this thing figured out. Um, I think a lot of people are like, wow. When they first start leveraging it and realizing the power of like using sales navigator and connecting with people and they're like, how, you know, targeted you could get and stuff like that. They're like, this is a (laughs) goldmine. You know, this is like prospect heaven, Um, you know, and, and, and it's just too tempting to, to do it not the right way. Um, and, and yeah, there is a lot of people that are still teaching this, you know, it's a numbers game sort of, you know, idea. And it's, and it's actually the, it is a numbers game and it works against you. (laughs) Like when you're playing the numbers game.
1: Ever heard was somebody, and I can't even remember who said it. And I feel like such an asshole. So if you're listening and you're out there, send me a message and be like, that's my line. I want credit and I'll give you credit. But they said, um, that, this sort of pitch slapping phenomenon was a numbers game at um, increasing the numerator at all expense of the denominator. So just pumping up that number of people that you're reaching out to, but the number of people that are actually closing or even responding um, is dwindling terribly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, but it's actually working, I mean, for anybody who's maybe still doing it this way, right? It's like connecting and pitching and like trying to, you know, grab people by the throat through the DMs to book a meeting. <laughs> um, it's, you know, maybe it works occasionally, right? But if you really look at the numbers, yeah. like percentage wise, you know, you are doing a disservice. You're, 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 you're giving off a bad vibe, To a lot of people, giving a (laughs) bad first impression to a lot of people and giving them a bad first experience with you
1: and your company,
0: to get one person who's like, just, it just so happened to be that the timing is right and it's relevant to them and they want to book a call. Yeah. Um, it, it, it just makes no sense. Totally. I mean, LinkedIn has even cut down the amount of invitations you can send now because of people a
1: week now.
0: Yeah. But it's they're, they're starting to get smarter too, because it, so it was like 500 a week before, which is bonkers. You could and send hundred connection quests <laughs> per day. Right. And then they, 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 they cut it to like a hundred. Now nobody really knows what it is. However, <laughs> It's somewhere around a hundred, but it fluctuates, and it depends on a couple of factors.
1: How many people uh, accept?
0: So, how many people accept, and also how many pending invitations that you have? So, you know, if you were previously sending out lots and lots and lots of invitations, um, or even if you still continue to send out, you know, your maximum amount of invitations, which is good, is you actually need to purge those pending ones for people who haven't. How accepted,
1: often do you purge your um? Everybody makes fun of me for my process. So I'm curious how often you get rid of your pending invites.
0: Often, because I found a tool that does it for me. Ooh. Um, because doing it manually sucks. Um, I've done it yep. manually before. But here's something interesting. Okay, so you got to purge your invitation request. But you also got to prune your network too. Because if you're and, and this is more down like, Content, right? So if you're posting and putting out content regularly, your engagement is weighted on how many followers versus how many yeah. connections versus how much engagement. Like that is part of the super complicated that I'm nowhere near smart enough to tell you how that LinkedIn algorithm works, right? Right. Um, and so that's a factor, right? So if you have people that aren't relevant, that your message is not resonating with, that are never engaging with you, um, you got to purge some of those people, especially if you've done like many things, like if you've had several roles or worked in different industries, it's a little bit more relevant because um, there's, I don't know, like I'm sure you've heard the argument of like dark social, right? Mm -hmm. Which is basically like most of your leads in business that you get are not the people engaging with your content. They're the people that are consuming it and are more lurkers. Those are the people that are going to slide into your DMs or hit your website and book a call. It's like the the, the lead came from LinkedIn, but like you never even knew they existed on LinkedIn.
1: Right. Well, and that's the crazy thing. So when it comes to connection invites, I only send like five or 10 a week. It's it's very, very low number. But if somebody doesn't accept within three days, I withdraw the invite. Because in my opinion, if you're not active enough to be logging into the platform every three days um, and or it takes you more than three days to decide you want to be my friend, then that's not somebody that I need in my circle. Um, So that helps me keep my network tight. But you can't control how many followers you have. So I have experienced the most bananas phenomenon because I've grown pretty quickly. um, And I don't know why I wish like I had a secret sauce to tell you. I I comment my face off like probably 50 Mm. times a day at least. And that's important to me. Um, So that must have something to do with it. But in January of 2021, so a little over a year ago, I had about twenty five hundred connections And my average number of comments per post was 142. I tracked this in my Shield app.
0: 142
1: comments with 2,500. You wouldn't
0: be a true LinkedIn nerd if you didn't have Shield
1: app. If you didn't have Shield, that's right. So I was always super proud of that, like my little tiny but very engaged network. And I thought that was great. Um, And right now, my average number of comments is about 165. Last time I looked at it um, and I have 34,000 followers. So there's, you know, more than 30,000 additional people in my universe is only giving me 20 more comments on average per post. So it's somewhere along the way I've picked up a bunch of unengaged people. um, But you like I said, you can't control the um, the followers, whoever that is. But it's been a really weird sort of social experiment for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, even just going from 2,500 to 34,000 ish, uh, people on the platform, like what, what do you think has, cause that alone is a, is a great achievement. And there's probably a lot of people there on here. Like, I would love to have a quarter of the comments that you're getting (laughs) on your, your, your feed. So what are, what are some things that you think have contributed to some of your success on the platform? So
1: it's, Comments 100% is what I, you know, attribute that secret sauce to. That um, I give way more engagement than I get, or it, I did in the beginning. I, it's hard for me now, but, um, you know, I probably comment 50 times a day on other people's content. And I don't know whether it's algorithm or karma or whatever, but the more that you're supporting other people, the more support you're going to get. So I always tell people you have to earn those eyeballs by being an engaged member of the community. Um, I'm also pretty hyper responsive, like very quick to answer comments and messages. I think that makes a difference from an algorithm perspective. Um, But no, I think just literally trying to engage in the feed. I'm always really conscious to try to find second degree connections that are posting intriguing and entertaining stuff that I can engage with. Um, So that helps to expand your network. It's good to support your friends, obviously. But if you're only ever commenting on first degree connections, you're missing out on sort of expanding mm. that spider web of people that exist on LinkedIn. Um, but no, it's commenting is 100 the, percent the sweet spot for me.
0: OK, now, do you. You mentioned a couple of things. So what is your strategy of like commenting on the right people to enrich your feed and get more eyeballs, right? And I love the the LinkedIn algorithm is definitely built around like the more you give, the more you get, um, which I love about it. Right. (laughs) And so, um, what's your strategy for commenting? Like, are you just kind of randomly going through your feed? Are you specifically finding people? Are you building lists and then look like just... Break down, like, how do you find the right people to comment on, or is there any strategy behind how you go about commenting like crazy every day?
1: I will say that my strategy is pretty weak. There's not not really one at all in terms of how I find new people to engage with. Mm-hmm. Um, I very intentionally block at least an hour a day. That's usually thirty minutes in the morning and thirty minutes in the afternoon to just scroll my feed. That's where you're going to find the second degree connections. Um, to expose myself to new stuff. There's also ways that if you search keywords, I don't do this because I'm lazy, but if you have specific things you want to talk about, you can search keywords and then little bubbles will pop up to filter, sort by posts, and then post it in the last 24 hours. And that gives you a live feed of things that are actively being talked about in your network um, or outside of your network. The thing that worked really well for me in the beginning in LinkedIn has just made it so much easier for everybody else. I used to bookmark the activity pages of um, three different types of people. One were friends, people that I definitely wanted to support. Um, Yeah. Second was ideal clients, people that I would definitely love to work with. And then the third were other LinkedIn nerds, people that might be able to teach me something. Um, And I used to say like those were not mutually exclusive categories. Obviously, the best people were friends that were ideal clients that were also LinkedIn nerds, right? Yeah. Um, And so I would bookmark their activity feeds and check in at least once a day to see if they'd posted anything new that I could contribute to. Um yeah. Now with LinkedIn, there's a bell. So all you have to do is hit the bell on the top right hand corner of somebody's profile as long as you're following or connected to them. Um, And you'll get a notification every time they put a post out. And that just helps you stay top of mind. It's I know this is a sales podcast. So like LinkedIn is the world's greatest drip campaign. You know, we've gone mm-hmm. away from the world where... You're putting notes in your CRM, talk to the prospect, not moving forward today, but I'll send a newsletter next week and I'll follow up with a handwritten card a month from now. And six months from now, I'll call to make sure they remember who I am and what I do with LinkedIn. If you're active and your ideal client is active and you're commenting frequently and you're engaging with their content, they're never going to be able to forget your face or your name or what you do. Um, and so I've just found that to be the ultimate, ultimate drip campaign Um because I really suck at follow up, so it's very yeah. convenient for me that it works that way.
0: <laughs> I still really like the bookmark hack because yeah. um, I personally I save people's activity URLs on a Google Sheet. Yeah, um, and I have a few different categories, right? Like past guests, uh, prospects, um, you know, other people who have followers that are my ideal clients as well. Because sure. I want to be in those comments and those threads. For sure, um, and. LinkedIn used to make it a little bit easier with Sales Navigator, where if you saved somebody to a list, list, and every time they posted, it would be in your Sales Nav feed, and that was the best.
1: But it's delayed. I think it still works that way, but it's like an eight-hour delay. So the bell is a lot more sort of instant. And I, but the problem with
0: the bell is it only shows up in your notifications. Yeah, and the notifications, if you're active, or Great. I mean, they're down. worse than the LinkedIn DMs. No, I know. <laughs>
1: and I have I have my notifications pretty pruned down, so I don't get notifications for a lot of things. But I do get mm-hmm. notifications for the bell. Um, I will say, be careful if you're using the bookmark thing. I've had my account restricted like four times because I used to I would have bookmark folders with like 20 links in it and I would do the right click and open all. LinkedIn doesn't like that. It thinks it's like bot activity. So if you're opening from a Google sheet, if you open more than one tab at a time, um, if LinkedIn flags that activity, they could try to restrict your account. It's just a pain in the butt. You get it back. It's not a big deal, but it is a stressful moment.
0: It's a freak out moment for it, sure.
1: absolutely. Especially for like, I just said, 95% of my business comes from LinkedIn and they're sending me an email saying they're threatening to permanently restrict my account. That was, it was a panic moment. That's
0: like <laughs> them threatening to put you out of business.
1: Totally. <laughs> totally.
0: Yeah. I mean, all of this is great, but the think that the biggest, the biggest takeaway is like, you've got to give more than you get. Amen. Um, In everything, which, not just LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and LinkedIn and in sales and LinkedIn and life. <laughs> like, totally. um, and, and I think a lot of people just don't want to put in that work, right? They want all of, they want all the, they want to be famous on the platform and get all these comments and engagement, <laughs> which I'm sorry to, I hate to break it to you, but likes and comments don't pay the bills. Right. <laughs> um, Absolutely. I'm curious. I mean, at least in my experience, and a lot of people I've talked to is most of the people that are clients aren't even the people that are engaging with your content on a regular basis. Now they're seeing the content because of a lot of the engagement, but what's what's your experience been?
1: I'm about a 50/50 split. I have half of my clients are straight like in the in the lurker shadows. They don't come out until they send a DM like, "Hey, I've been curious. Can we set up a meeting?" Um, but then I have other clients that are super active along with me. So, um it's a it's a pretty dead even split, which is cool. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Any final thoughts before we wrap things up here?
1: Man, this has been such a great conversation. I just appreciate you having me and i um, excited to be here. I don't know what I'm looking at.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll drop your LinkedIn and anything awesome. else you want us to drop in the show notes for folks to get connected with you. I'm sure they're super curious. Like what the heck does she do? <laughs> know, she I'm couldn't not tell us. She couldn't talk about like it. <laughs> it's exciting, but it's not as like secretive as maybe you think, right? <laughs> uh, it's just compliance, damn compliance. <laughs> um, I didn't and say so anyway, if you enjoyed today's episode, you can write us a review. You can share the show with your friends. It really does help us out and I'm always listening for your feedback, you can go to salestransformation.fm, drop me a voice DM and I will get back to you. Hey, you stuck around. That tells me you're serious about your own sales transformation. If you're tired of doing things the old way and wanna get started in your journey with other people on the same path, head over to salescast.community and crush your numbers on your leaderboard. Yeah, it's free, salescast.community. Send me a DM with your best pitch and mention this ad, and I might even give you free access to our best templates.